Uh, if um, you would like, we have a supply of voter guides. This is not to tell you who to vote for. It simply tells you what the candidates stand for. They are directly in front of the double doors as you uh, leave. Uh, next week, we will have a sermon dealing with the roles of government, the family, the church, and individuals, uh, and uh, what uh, each role is to take place. Also, if you're here, if you do not have one paper that looks like this, it's kind of like a, an outline, uh, put your hand up. Uh, Scott will give you one. Anybody need one? Wow, Scott, you're really... Oh, yeah, no, Scott, up front here. One of the elders doesn't have one. <laughs> okay. The reason I'm handing that out is this subject is a very important subject, and I will be going rather quickly. I will not be looking at every reference that's on here. Uh, I just simply do not have that much time available. But I encourage you... Uh, if uh, this is of interest to you or you have questions, please look all of these references up. Um, and then if you still have questions, talk to me because this is an absolutely uh, important subject uh, that all of us should know. Meanwhile, if you would turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, that's where we're going to start. We're not going to have time to turn to each one of these, but I do want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5, the first three verses. Last time that I preached was not last week. We started uh, looking at the difference, the contrast between the law, the law, and grace, which is what we live under today. And the question is, are law? I can tell you right up front, we are not. We never were, never will be, and uh, if you want to put yourself under the law, you're in big trouble. You'll see why as we go on. Remember, the contrast is seen, uh, particularly in this verse, in John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, that's Mount Sinai, that's the Jewish people in the desert. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. What we have for today... Grace is one of those things that uh, I believe uh, Will talked a little bit about. Uh, it seems that this weekend has been an emphasis on mercy and grace. My son John uh, at the tractor pull did the uh, gospel presentation, and he used an illustration that I haven't used from the pulpit, but now he's used it and most of you didn't hear it. But many years ago when we were building the church, uh, we did a lot of the utilities and the excavation and all that, stuff, all that kind of stuff as a church. I was down in the ditch. We were putting in the sewer pipe. And uh, I went to get my pocket knife to trim off the burrs off the pipe. And I remembered my son, John, borrowed my pocket knife and lost it. And I'm moaning and groaning. That kid of mine, he is going to buy me one. He's going to pay for this. And another guy that was down in the ditch right next to me said, do you need a pocket knife? I said, well, I need one right now, but my son's buying me one. He said, I work for the depot, and uh, they gave them pocket knives on a regular basis to use, I guess, to open cartons and stuff like that. He said, I never use them. He said, I have a whole handful of them at home. He jumps out of the ditch, goes home, comes back, and handed me five or six 
really nice stainless steel pocket knives. I still carry it to this day, one of them. I think I still have one brand new one yet. And um, I went home that night and I said, John, I told you you owe me a pocket knife. Well, guess what? You no longer owe me a pocket knife. That's mercy. Then I said, and I pulled out of my pocket, and I said, and on top of that, I'm going to give you a pocket knife. That's grace. He's been using that illustration over and over again. He used it at the, the tractor pull on uh, Saturday. I think the guys, well, first of all, they got a good kick out of my son's like, yeah, if you, you're your preacher's kid, you'd land up getting theological lessons when you're in big trouble. Uh, but anyway, they were laughing about that. But the point is, we live under grace. We have been given something that we do not deserve. Grace, if you want to remember what grace is, it's a gift. A gift is not something you can pay for. Somebody else paid for it, but to you it's free. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. As Will mentioned, it cost Jesus Christ separation from God the Father. It cost him his life. It cost him pain and agony and all the other things that he did for us. So in the next 33 minutes, hang on to your seats because we will not touch everything that's on that sheet. I encourage you to do that on your own. We're in Galatians chapter 5, and this is the first point that we're going to make this morning. Uh, these are the things we've already covered, uh, but we are going to uh, look at the principles that are applicable to the law and to grace. We're going to go down through. We have a few other things we're going to look at. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he's under obligation to keep the whole law. Notice what it says. We were enslaved by sin. The law showed us that. We're going to get back to that. We were enslaved there, but he has set us free. Do not voluntarily put yourself back under slavery. The slavery is the precepts of the law, the facts of the law, what the law said. Don't put yourself back into slavery. Think about this. I despise slavery of any sort. True, it's, it's been true in the past. It's still true now, many places. But slavery is someone else is controlling a person. They own you. They tell you what to do or what you can't do. That's what sin did to you. But we have been set free from that. Don't go back under that system. That's the contrast. So the first thing that we see is that if you're under law, you have to do this. There is an obligation. You cannot just keep one part of the law or a little bit of the law. It's either all or nothing. You put yourself under law, you are under the whole, the whole thing. That's the way it is. It also, according to Leviticus chapter 18, if you're under the law, you must do it or you die. The law has death penalties attached to it. 
All the Ten Commandments have a death penalty attached to them except the very last one, and that's thou shalt not covet. If you co covet an inside thing that nobody can see. But if you covet somebody else's wife, you're going to commit adultery. If you covet somebody else's goods, you're going to steal them. That kind of thing. So, you break the tenth one. No, you don't get a death penalty for that one because nobody can see it. But they can see that you broke one of the other nine. And so, if you put yourself under the law, unless you do every little tiny thing, you're going to die. We also find that under the law, it's all about works. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. You, and notice this word, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or hearing by faith? Absolutely, we have our salvation, our righteousness credited to us on the basis of of what Christ did on the cross when he died to pay for our sin, and when the Holy Spirit brought conviction and you yielded to that conviction, which is called faith or believing, then you have the righteousness of God, you have the Holy Spirit working in your life. In fact, as Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says this, because by the works of the law, no flesh, no person will be justified. There is no possibility that you can be justified by the law. You couldn't keep it. You wouldn't even know all of it. And it's just not possible for you to do it because the human effort, which is the next one we're going to look at, you don't have enough human effort to be able to carry it out. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, However, the law is not of faith. Notice, the law is not of faith. What is it? On the contrary, flip side, he who practices them shall live by them. Philippians chapter 3 says this, and that we may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, diver, de, uh, yeah, diver, derived, I'll, I'll get it out, sorry about that, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You know what? If you try to keep the law, you can go around and pat yourself on the back and say, what a, what a good person you are. Hey, look at me. Look what I did. Look what I don't do. And everybody around you would say, hey, they're a pretty ethical, moral person. Hey, they're a nice guy. They, they could do that. But it doesn't cut anything with God because he demands perfection. And let's face it, you know you. You're not perfect. And I'm not judging you because guess what? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Oh, by the way, I'll stand right in front of you and say, I fit that. And if I fit that, so do all the rest of you. It's just the way it is. So uh, the righteousness that we have isn't derived from our keeping of the law, but it's through faith in Jesus Christ and that righteousness is added to us. When we trust Christ, he literally gives us the righteousness of God, places that in us. That's what he does. Fact is, he says in Galatians 3.12, 
The law is not of faith. The two will not mix. It's oil and water. They do not mix. But what he does say is that if you're under the law, you're under a curse. A curse says you're going to die. That's what a curse is. It's an oath against you for the bad. And he says, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book to perform them. Then it says this in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. The curse is real, but somebody took the curse on themselves. That was Jesus Christ. That's why he died for us. That's why he suffered for us. That's why he was on the cross for us. He took our place. The word redeem means to pay for. He paid for our curse. He took it on himself and he paid the full price of that curse. Going on, the law brings death. The end result of this, and I'm going to make it really short, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, he says, we're the servants of a new covenant. The old covenant is the law. The new covenant is grace. He says, we're servants of a new covenant, not of the letter. And you go, what's the letter? But of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we still don't know what the letter is. The next verse, but if the ministry of death, now notice these things, it it's, uh, kills, it's a ministry of death. Think about that. I don't want to be a part of a ministry of death in letters engraved on stones. Hey, we know what it is now. There's only one thing I know in scripture that was written on stone, written in stone by God himself. And that's the Ten Commandments, the kind of the backbone of the rest of the law. He says, you know what? The Ten Commandments, people think they're going to live by the Ten Commandments. You know what they've done? They put themselves under a ministry of death. You might think that's pretty harsh, but I didn't make it up. Read it for yourself. It's a ministry of death. It kills us. Why? Because the law says you can't make it. You're not good enough and you can't carry it out. And so it becomes a ministry of death. The law is not bad. It's holy, good, and righteous. It's glorious even. But it's a ministry of death because you cannot carry it out. You, it's not possible for you to do that. And fact is, he says that when he found out, Paul said when he found out about the law, he died to the law. Because the law said to him, hey Paul, you're separated from God. That passage actually says, when I found out that coveting was wrong, he said, all I want to do is covet. That's like, remember, remember when you were a kid and mom said, don't touch the cookies. All of a sudden, every brain cell in your head, every taste bud in your mouth said, cookie, cookie, cookie. Right? That's how it works. How many, no, don't put your hands up. How many of you ever went on a diet and all you could think of is food? You know, somebody that's an addict, they say, I'm going to quit Coke or marijuana or whatever it happens to be. All they can think of is Coke, marijuana, alcohol. You know, that's what it is. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He found out I'm coveting is wrong, and all I want to do is get stuff for me. Wow. <laughs> it's a ministry of death. That's what the law does. That's the principle of the law. But praise the Lord, we got a better principle for us. 
We want to. Most of you know the verse that I'm going to use right here. It says, we love because He first loved us. Whole different principle. We can do something because He started it. I can show love, practice love, talk about love. Why? Because I'm so lovable a person. Anybody that knows me knows that's not true. I, but you know what? God's love in me can work, and it can work out through me. I hope that part shows. But it didn't come from me. He loved, and so I turn around and love other people. Notice the flip side, the contrast. One goes one way, one goes totally the other way. So I'm going to want to. Why? Because I've already been loved. Just like when I forgive, how can I forgive somebody else that did me wrong? Because Christ already forgave me everything. Second thing, it is having to do with something that's already completed. Here's what Jesus said. He said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. Jesus didn't say, I came to give you existence. I came to give you something that's above and beyond existence. Something the law could never do. Something you could never do on your own. That's what he gave to us by grace, by trusting Jesus Christ. It's also not of works. My wife's favorite passage, because this is the one that worked in her mind when she trusted Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. And that includes the Old Testament law. We already know that. The law is of works, human effort, not of works, lest any man should boast. Again, you can say, look at me, look how wonderful I am. Look what I did, look what I don't do. You know what? That'll make you a nice person, but it doesn't make you right with God. And you know what? Even if you could, you'd go around, look at me. I'm better than you. And that is really a bad place to be. Uh, it's, not a good, it's not a good thing. So it's not of work. Um, what we have is not of works. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. It is, as I said, faith in Jesus Christ. That's where we're at. In fact, it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, Nonetheless, knowing that a man is not justified, I, I better stop there. Maybe you don't know what justified. Justified means declared right or declared righteous. We're all separated from God. The, the law proves that. We're sinners and we're separated from God. But he declares us legally right with God. So the, that's the definition of this word. So let me start over again. Nonetheless, knowing that a man is not legally declared right before God by the works of the law. The law never could declare us right with God. In fact, is it did just the opposite. It declared us to be separated from God, died to the law. But through faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. The old joke is, how do you know a lawyer? 
Because he holds his pants up with a belt and suspenders, and I believe the Apostle Paul now is going like this and still holding him up. You know what? He says it from both sides in every possible way you can. You can't be justified by law. Only by faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way. That's the only way you can be right with God. You might be here today and go, I don't know if I understand all of this, but I can tell you this. Unless you have in you that want to serve the Lord. Not because you have to, but because it's already done for you. And not because I'm working my way to heaven by keeping law, but it's because I have faith in a finished, complete, and perfect work that Jesus Christ did for me. Remember, redeemed, he paid the price of my sin. He paid my curse. He took my curse. He did all of that for us. And so it's by faith. It's also by the Spirit. We've already kind of looked at that one. But we have something no one else has ever had in life. And that is, we have God the Holy Spirit working in our life. He's the one that is the one that worked and brought conviction. He is the one that is living in us. Think about it this way. That want to, where does it come from? Because God, the Holy Spirit, is living inside me. My body is His temple. He is inside of me as a believer in Jesus Christ, working out everything that Christ has put in me. The law says, hey, let's see if we can get it inside. Let's face it. All of you that know me know I got a thick skull. And I got thick skin, too. My wife told me the other day I wrecked my knee and I'm putting on this stuff that's supposed to have double the strength of BioFreeze or whatever the stuff you use. She says, you're putting all that on there and you're not supposed to be. I said, listen, it's not going to do anything. And it got a little warm. She goes, you must have tough skin. I said, yeah, I told you that. So you know what? I know who I am. Got a thick skull. It takes a lot to get through. And I got skin that's not all that sensitive. But if you try to get something through that, it takes some work. And in this case, the law cannot get through. You've got a thick skin. And you've got a thick skull. Sorry, but you do. When it comes to this, it's not going to work from the outside. It's got to come from the inside. And God does that. He places in us His righteousness and His Holy Spirit to live it out. Wow, that is really great. That is a contrast. It is a total flip side of what the law does. And then the last one is that uh, the whole idea of love, the love that we need to be the love we need from him. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his love, showed us his love, in that while we were yet sinners, proved by the law, Christ died for us. He died for our sin. We couldn't change it. No matter what we did, try it on your own, it's not going to work. Try to keep the law, it's not going to work. He's the one that does the work. What do we do? By faith, we accept what he's already done for us. There is no other way. Every other way is religion. It's your best effort. Sorry, don't want to offend anyone. You don't cut it. 
I'll put me up first. I don't cut it. On my own, I'm not going to make it. But through Christ, he gives us everything. More than we ever, ever deserved in life. But there's one last thing. The principle is he gives us life. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Question mark. May it never be. The law is not anti-God. But here's what it isn't. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would have indeed been based on law. He said if there was ever any kind of law, or any law at all, even in the Old Testament law, that could give you life, you don't need righteousness. You've got your own righteousness. You don't need Christ. You're okay on your own. But that's not true. None of us can ever do what's needed to be right with God. We're sinners from the start, and we continue on that way, and our best doesn't make it. Fact is, Jesus said, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Anything less than God's perfection doesn't cut it. You go, well, then we're all doomed. That's correct, except someone that made a perfect sacrifice, paid a perfect price, paid perfectly the curse of sin, took our death on themselves. That's Jesus Christ. No law could ever do this for us. But what is the purpose? If, if the law, we don't live under it, what's the purpose of it? First of all, it shows us the sinfulness of sin. It shows us our sinfulness. It says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 22, Scripture has shut up everyone under sin. The scripture there is referring to the Old Testament law in that context. And kept us in custody under the law. If you put someone in custody, it can mean a number of different things, but maybe you put them behind bars. Maybe you put them in handcuffs or a straitjacket, or maybe you, you know, just keep them uh, away from everybody else. But, but something is a barrier there that's hindering them. They're in custody. It says, sin simply showed us who we were. We're in custody to sin. That's what the law showed us. And we can't get out. There's no breaking out. In fact, is it goes on to say that the law did this. Every mouth may be closed and all the world become accountable to God. Whoa! I like to say it this way. The law made sin exceedingly sinful. Murder was wrong when Cain killed Abel. Murder is wrong today, but in between there, God gave the law to the Jewish people, and he codified that and said, thou shalt not murder. And if you take, if you take someone else's life premeditatedly, you're going to forfeit your life too. It's not a new thing, but it's codified. And he simply says, you have no excuses. You are now accountable to God, and I can show you this because it's written down. It's also a reminder of sin. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says that every priest stands daily offering the same sacrifices day after day that can never take away sin. 
If you don't know this, the Old Testament word is atonement. We do not teach atonement. The New Testament doesn't teach atonement. Atonement means to cover over. That's what the the Old Testament animal sacrifices. They covered sin. They never, ever, ever, ever took it away. It simply covered it for a time. (laughs) Guess what? If you brought a sacrifice because you sinned, by the time you get home, you probably sinned again. You know, you got in an argument with your wife on the way home. You know, it's like, or whatever it is. You know what? You're going to sin again. If you really took that seriously, you'd be, you'd be standing right at the, the altar. Okay, next lamb, next pigeon, you know, what, whatever, next bull, next goat. It would be continually. He said, but when the priests do that, they simply show us, remind us of what sin is like. Sin causes death. In that case of an animal. In our case, it's the death of Jesus Christ. So it reminds us of sin. It also is a witness to righteousness. Romans chapter 3 verse 21 puts it this way. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Let's look at that and break it down just a little bit. Notice, whatever is happening here is not a part of the law. It's apart from the law, separate from the law. That's what apart means. It says, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifest. So the law didn't give us God's righteousness, but it did witness to it. It said, in essence, you're unrighteous. You are not right with God. Just the opposite of what we, what we need. And so uh, it simply says the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the one that did it for us. He didn't do it by keeping the law. He did it by dying, shedding his blood on our behalf. He took our punishment, our curse, our death on himself, and he died for us. By the way, he could do that because he is the only one that fulfilled the law. Remember, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. Huge difference between those two concepts. Abolish would be say, oh, well, it really wasn't all that important anyway. No, that's not what he did. He said, I fulfilled it. He actually did live according to the law. The only person who ever did. And then, as the only perfect person, he took my place. Wow. The law witnessed you're unrighteous. It also witnessed that Christ was righteous. And when he died for us, he gave everything to us. And here's the one I really like. This is the book of Galatians in particular. But it makes it clear that the law has become a tutor to lead us to Christ. Here's what the law did. It shut us up under sin. Uh, That's also in Galatians. But it became that schoolmaster, that tutor that said, okay, here's the law. Did you do this? Yeah, blew it on that one. Did you do this? No, not quite. Did you do this? I tried my best. Did you do this? No, I really blew it on that one. Okay, you can't do it. You go right down through the line, any, any law you want, and it always comes up, you're short. And what does, the, what does the law do? It says, okay, you have to depend on someone else. Think about that. 
We're Americans. We don't like to depend on anybody. But guess what? When it comes to God, we have to depend on a perfect sacrifice. Someone to take our place, and that's Jesus Christ. That's what the law did. It led us to the point where we recognized that we have to completely, 100% and perfectly trust in Jesus Christ. That's called salvation by faith. It's believing in Jesus Christ, the finished perfect work that he has done on our behalf. I need to move on. Remember I said the Old Testament sacrifices couldn't take away sin? Guess what? This is never found in the Old Testament. John the Baptist looked at Jesus Christ when he came to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was not an Old Testament principle. That was not under the law at all. Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God, the perfect, complete sacrifice for all sin and not just to cover it over one more time. To take it away. Think about that. You cover something over, it's still there. It didn't go anywhere. But when you take it away, it's no longer there. I've been known to cover a few things up in my life. It always comes back to haunt you because it's still there. But he takes it away. That's the difference. So that's what we have under grace. We are free from the law. In fact, is it, it makes it clear that it says if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Notice, not under the law. That is not where you are anymore. He gives us eternal life. You may recognize that right smack in the middle of that reference there is John 3.16. And that's exactly right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. The law said you're perishing, you're dying, you're cursed, but shall have everlasting life. Only by Christ can we have life. And that's what he's given us. The law could not give life. In fact, is the law did exactly the opposite. It brought death. It was a ministry of death. It brought a curse. There's no way to get around that. It makes us a child of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this. But as many as received him, that's Jesus Christ, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. The law couldn't make us a son, a child of God, but Jesus Christ did. That's what he made available. It's not just, oh, I have a good relationship with God. No, I become one of his children. Wow, law could never, ever do that. And we have righteousness shown to us. Righteousness that we could never have on our own in any way, shape, or form. It says this, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifest. Yeah, why? Because it's in Christ. It's not in the law. It's in Christ. We already looked at that verse. Moving on. So what is the procedure? The Old Testament had all kinds of laws. We just think of the law as the Ten Commandments. It's a lot of laws. I don't know if 613 is right. That's what the rabbis said. But you know what? There's lots of them. Commands all over the place. About every part of life you can think of. It was written in stone. We know that. And it brought order. When they asked Jesus what is the greatest commandment, he gave them a two-part answer for that. And the second one had two parts to it too. He said, love God 
and I'm not quoting here, love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. There's three parts to that. Love God with everything you are. Go out of your way to do good for your neighbor just like you would do for yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you would take care of you, you turn around and help your neighbor and take care of them. So what is the procedure under grace? It is a lot of commandments in the New Testament. Not the law, but there's a lot of commandments. Some of them sound a lot like the law. Some are quoted. Some are different. Some go way beyond what the Old Testament did. Uh, they expand them, and some of them are similar. And people go to me all the time. Well, the New Testament says that we live according to the law of Christ. You know what? They're 100% right. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says exactly that. But I'd like you to look at the context. Here's what it says. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Notice it doesn't give a whole bunch of things. It says if your neighbor, whoever it is, person sitting next to you, could be a family member, it doesn't matter who it is, and you see them buckling, their knees buckling, guess what? If you're going to live by the law of Christ, you don't go, oh, Lord bless you, be warmed and filled and you know, go your way. No, you go there and you get your shoulder underneath there and you help them. Yeah, that's how you fulfill the law of Christ. It's not 613 other laws. It is no. You go way out of your way and you take some of the burden on yourself and help that person in their hardship. That's what you do. That's the law of Christ. That's not the Old Testament law. There's the, also the royal law. A royal law would be a kingly law, right? That's what royal has to do with. And you know what that says? Same thing Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself and you'll fulfill the royal law. Wow. That's a lot higher than a bunch of other rules and regulations God had in the Old Testament. I always tell people, if you think you can live by the law and you're going to be pleasing God by the law, you're way under the radar. It said, thou shalt not murder. The New Testament says, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. The Old Testament says, don't commit adultery. The New Testament says, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery. The Old Testament says, thou shalt not covet. The New Testament says, if you're coveting, you're an idolater. You're, you're worshiping a false god. You're worshiping whatever you're coveting. You're putting it above God, before God. See, if you're trying to keep the Old Testament law, first of all, the standard is way too low because our standard is way higher. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit who's working in us and through us and out of us. Way above anything that a law could do. You can put all the laws down you want and you'll never get to the New Testament law. There is one more. It's the law of liberty. Oh, I don't have it up there. I thought it did. Uh, the law of liberty. It simply says that I am going out of my way and I have the right and the freedom to choose to do good stuff. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to live above and beyond anything that possibly could, could uh, be put into a law. This short because I'm already out of time. But the ministry of the law was a law that brought condemnation. You know the difference between conviction and condemnation? Conviction is God coming to Paul Malfer and say, Paul, your attitude stinks. By the way, uh, he has to do that on a regular basis. Paul, your attitude stinks. But yes, Paul, 
Remember, Christ did this for you. Christ provided this. Live like you're a child of the king. That's conviction. Conviction is not to tear you down. Conviction is to tell you, hey, you're wrong, but here's the solution. Condemnation, on the other hand, says you're pond scum and you're going down. You have no choice. You are down there. You're a sinner and you can't do anything about it. The devil is the one that brings condemnation. But here's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Why? Because all the condemnation, all the curse, all the death, all the payment has been taken by and provided by Jesus Christ. Wow! That's where we live. Please, I don't care what form of law, whether it's Old Testament law or any other form of law that you put yourself under. Fact is, I believe some of the worst people in the world about trying to live under the law are people who say, I believe the Bible and I trusted Jesus Christ. And, you know, and then they put on these, all these rules and regulations that they made up. And some of them look a little like the Old Testament law and some look like their own personality. You know what? I think they're the worst. All of us can be very, very easily persuaded by those things. I challenge you, live above that. Live in the grace and the mercy and the love and the payment, the redemption, the righteousness, the Holy Spirit that God has given us. And if you're looking at this and you're going, ah, oh, man, I don't, know. I don't understand all of that. Point is, you can look at the law and it says, you're in trouble, buddy. You are really in trouble. You're under a curse and you're under the ministry of death. Whew. That's horrible. Oh, and by the way, you can't do anything about it. But the law says, look to the one who has done it. The law said, do this and live. Christ says, I've done it. Trust me. It's already done. It's finished. It's complete. It's perfect. He did that for me. Let's all stand together. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray at the end. Because if you're not sure that you've trusted Christ and you're still some kind of law that you've made up or some Old Testament law or whatever. If there's something, you know, that you go, you know what, I'm still trusting one of those types of things. I'm going to encourage you while I'm praying just to ask the Lord to save you. Admit, yeah, I'm a sinner. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. But I know that there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for me and wants to give me God's righteousness because he's already fulfilled the law and just ask him to come into your life and save you and give you that new life take away the condemnation and live according to the spirit and in the full righteousness and love that God has given us Lord thanks so much you've reminded us of how it's impossible to be right with you by law but it's Absolutely possible because through Jesus Christ, because he has provided everything. Lord, thank you for reminding us of that this morning. And Lord, if we've already trusted Christ and we are still going back and putting ourselves under that slavery, Lord, I pray that we would sufficiently realize that that just doesn't work and we cannot go forward if we're enslaved. And Lord, if anyone has not trusted Christ, 
that they would consider the claims of Christ, that he redeemed us from the curse of the law, that he has provided everything. He is the one that can take away sin, not simply cover it. Lord, I pray that you would work as only you can do in all of our lives, in whatever our situation is. Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Go with God and live in the freedom that we have in Christ.